This is a Federal News Network podcast. Welcome to The Mission Continues on Federal News Radio, part of the Federal News Network. Now your host, Lloyd Calderon. Welcome to the show. My name is Lloyd Calderon. I'm the chairman of the Interagency Veterans Advisory Council. And with me today is my vice chairman, Adam Manisich. Adam, say a few words. Hey, welcome, everyone. We're really excited to have you here. The Mission Continues is really all about creating content and creating stories and information and sharing what's going on in the military, veteran, and DOD space for federal civilian employees. So we're really thrilled to have you here. And we're really thrilled to be in the studio at the Federal News Network together. Thanks, Adam. Yeah, it's, this is an exciting time for, for veterans and military spouses. Why? Because the message that we hope to convey uh, to the audience is the value that veterans and military spouses bring to the, the federal workspace. The value of integrity, mission first, dedication, and service to the country. And for those of you that have been in uniform, our show is very aptly named in honor of that. You know, the mission continues. You know, we we took an oath in uniform. And then when we came on board with the federal government, we took another oath. And um, we're excited to be here to talk about who we are. Our show is really to educate you on who the Interagency Veterans Advisory Council is, what we do, how we do it and why we do it. And as far as our authority to operate, I'm going to let Adam, the expert, tell us about that so that you have a a good feel about who this council is. Hey, thanks, Lloyd. That's a great uh, segue here. So you may be asking yourself, what is the Interagency Veterans Advisory Council? And the council is essentially made up of the leaders from the employee resource groups at over 135 different departments and agencies across the federal government. It's also made up of the senior staff and the senior leaders at the agency who are the veterans and military champions for the employees. Um, And it's finally made up of the human resources professionals and leaders who are either the veterans employment program managers, the military spouse program managers, the special emphasis program managers. So there's a lot of really great people who are coming together to essentially serve the needs of the 644,000-ish federal employees who are also veterans and the untold number of federal employees who are military spouses. So this group essentially serves three uh, constituencies. There's the veterans who are in the federal service. There are the military spouses who are in the federal service. And there's also the drilling reservists and National Guard personnel who are in the federal service. And different agencies have different ways of categorizing and kind of bringing together these groups but they're often done through the employee resource groups, whether it's a military-centric employee resource group or a veteran-centric employee resource group, military spouse, or maybe they're all combined into one and you just have your mill vets and mill spouse uh, employee resource group. And so these are just affinity groups of employees who get together under a common theme of service to others and share their thoughts. The overall goal of the Interagency Veterans Advisory Council, or as we call it, Interagency Veterans, is really to promote the recruitment, the acclimation, the retention, and the advancement of 
veterans in federal civilian service. So taking a look at that kind of over the ecosystem of the federal network, that takes a lot of different looks. It takes a lot of different personas. And in these shows here, starting today and continuing in the future, we're going to be examining a lot of the topics that are really important to you as a federal employee, to you as a prospective federal employee. And we're going to take a look at some of the things about how employee resource groups and how veterans groups can really come together to have a difference in their communities and in their agencies, uh, overall um, working groups and systems and, and the larger communities that they serve. Uh, well said. And, and, if, and if you're not a veteran, if you haven't served in the armed forces, hopefully you, you get to, to learn a little bit more about your employees who are veterans and military spouses. So we, we encourage you to, whether you're a veteran or if you're not a veteran, to tune in. Everybody knows a veteran, right? If you, if you go to any, any neighborhood, any uh, restaurant, and you ask somebody, if you ask the question, does anybody know a veteran? Uh, I'd imagine about 90-plus percent of hands will go up because everybody knows somebody, right? A family member, a neighbor, uh, a friend. So hopefully the work we do impacts our veterans and our military spouses in a positive way. But like I like to say, and, and Adam and I are in, in concert with this, is what's good for our veterans and our military spouses is good for is good for everybody, you know. So what do we? How do we do this? Well, we we have a team of over thirty individuals that come together remotely, and uh, sometimes physically because we're in the, we're here in the D.C. area, and those folks bring with them a passion some very specific things. So we have folks that oversee transition-related activities. We have engagement folks who who work our social media piece and outreach. We have our Women Veterans Initiative and, of course, our Military Spouse Initiative. And so, so we bring all those things together to, I think, have a well-rounded perspective on things. That's a great point, Lloyd. I mean, having these different groups who are really engaged, everybody does this as either an extra duty for a few hours a week, maybe two hours a week, for example, or maybe you know as a developmental assignment for one hour a week, something like that. And they're from all different agencies, all different walks of life. They're GS5s all the way up to senior executives. We have folks who are really passionate about a certain area, whether it be mental health or it be um, employment or wellness programs. So we've got this this really diverse mosaic of individuals who have all come together under a single mission of serving those who served, which as you as you pointed out is our motto. But it's really exciting because this group gets to leverage the talent from so many different veterans and military spouse groups from across the government and us being on the national level, the enterprise level there allows us to really take a lot of these initiatives and mold them into um, policy recommendations through our annual report or through um, our consultations with agency leadership on how to improve retention for veterans or recruitment for veterans. And so when you talk, when I hear you talk about our team, it's just really inspiring because these are folks who've applied through a competitive process on USA Jobs, Open Opportunities. They've really identified the, the, the key positions that they're looking to contribute in. And they've also been peer-reviewed in a way, right? They, 
that that competitive process really allowed them to go up against others who are interested in the same roles and who have similar experience. And so the selection process has really been designed to get these folks who are mission-driven, who are selfless in their service to others and have a great leadership dynamic to their personalities where they can really inspire that service to others and that improvement organizationally across the system at their home agencies and at the national level. So it's really exciting. Yeah, well well said. And the, the exciting part of this is we're a nonpartisan group. We're here to serve the American public. You know, at the end of the day, we're here to serve the American public. Every federal employee who uh, has taken that oath, uh, that's what we're here to do. That's so true. And as a federal counsel, I mean, we're nonpartisan. We are federal employees. We are, you know, the great thing about interagency veterans that I personally love is we take no taxpayer funding, right? Everybody does this as an extra duty or developmental assignment. So these are people who are actively trying to improve the system within that 2.2 million federal employee universe. And it's just really exciting to be a part of. Yeah, it is exciting. And um, the word you use, the word passion, it's really not, you're not just saying that because it's a cool word. You're saying that because it is for real. These people come to the table, they're passionate about what they want to do, and they do it. So this concludes our first segment. When we come back, we are going to talk a little bit about employee resource groups and the operations of the Interagency Veterans Advisory Council. And you're listening to The Mission Continues here on the Federal News Network. Hi, I'm Mike Richmond of the U.S. Department of Veterans Affairs. VA helps veterans and service members become homeowners through the VA Home Loan Benefit Program. The program can help you buy, build, repair, or retain a home. Banks and mortgage companies finance the loan, and VA guarantees a part of it. You don't have to pay for private mortgage insurance, saving you money on your monthly mortgage payment. There's no down payment with a VA Home Loan Benefit, And the VA guarantee also means competitively low interest rates and limited closing costs. To get started, ask your lender about obtaining a VA home loan certificate or visit VA.gov. I'm Mike Richmond. Welcome back to the show. My name is Lloyd Calderon. With the mission continues on Federal News Network. I chair the Interagency Veterans Advisory Council, and with me is Adam Anisich, my vice chairman. And today, in this segment, we're going to talk about employee resource groups. And there's two key areas uh, that we want to touch upon as far as what, what an employee resource group is. And basically, the way I like to, to explain it to folks is that the employee resource groups that are out there or the, the boots on the ground, if you will. They're employees who are veterans and, and military spouses who are in the field, if you will, doing the job and dealing with issues and concerns that are unique to that community. And um, we as a council act as the eyes and ears, if you will, for senior leaders. And the feedback we get from our employees resource group chairs and vice uh, chairs 
is information that we filter, and we engage them to determine if these these issues are are real issues, or or if they're not real issues. In other words, they're systemic or not. So the council then acts as the eyes and ears on behalf of senior leaders and management. And what we do is we take that input and feedback from the various employee resource group and separate from fact from fiction. And we all know that sometimes when you hear of an issue or a concern, that sometimes it's a real issue, right? And sometimes it's not. And so instead of wasting energy and time on a non-issue, what I like to think is that our council can separate these things. And if, if it is a systemic issue and it's seriously real, uh, address it. Come up with some recommendations and share it with not just our members uh, for their action, but with senior leaders for action at a higher level. If it's not a serious issue, and I am a quote-unquote serious issue, if it's, if it's maybe a rumor or maybe just misinformation, then we can address that with the group that's bringing it to the table. And that's one of the exciting things about employee resource groups, Lloyd, is because they can really disseminate information quickly to a really broad network of individuals who are either interested or allied with these organizations. So I really can't state uh, more emphatically that the employee resource group is really the backbone of the, the this architecture that we call the NRHC veterans. It, it's the individual boots on the ground folks who are doing the work day in, day out, and really just trying to help others. Yeah, perfectly said. And it's not a, um, you know, the, the, our community is uh, not a one-size-fits-all community, right? And the same with agencies. Every agency has their own culture, their own, uh, their own mission, of course, and their issues and concerns. So we hope that we, we can filter through a lot of things to identify issues that are impactful and need to be addressed. And what we'd like to say is this. Look, if we can get we, – we don't control people. We don't own anything, right? But what we can do is we can at least ask the question, like why is this situation existing here? Or let's talk about a positive thing, like the best practices, right? What's happening over at this organization that other organizations would love to take advantage of, right? So now we're not operating in a vacuum because that's what I saw when I came on board as a federal employee. I saw that there were different groups doing their own thing, but, but nobody was really focused on, on bringing all that information together so that they could be identified or addressed. And I say identified because it goes back to, to my my. What I tell my, my folks is this. Look, if, if there's great things going on out there, let's share it. Let's make sure everybody knows because everybody in senior level positions, whether you're appointed or not, you all want the best for your agency. We, all of us, are here to serve the country, and we all want the best for our country, Right. So why not make sure that our communities are actively engaged, being productive, and being successful? And if, if we can leverage all this information so that our community benefits, 
then at the end of the day, the, the, the people of this great nation of ours benefits because they're getting the very best that there is to offer. And who isn't the very best if it's not veterans and military spouses, right? So we've done quite a few things in the past uh, seven or eight years that we've been in business. It's actually been a little bit longer than that, a little over 10 years. Adam and I have been tag-teaming this now for about seven or eight years. And just a real quick highlight, uh, we've, we've published an annual report on the state of veterans and military spouses in the federal workplace. It's really what I like to call an almanac, if you will. We get information from all over the, the, the federal workplace, and we put it into an annual report for people to read. The most exciting part about the annual report is that we identify best practices and who doesn't want to know who's doing great things out there, right? Uh, we have had military uh, spouse uh, network created. We've put together a quarterly newsletter for our, our council members. And we have quarterly meetings that Adam is kind of like the the expert of uh, coordinating and organizing them. And we have an attendance of approximately probably well over 5,000 individuals. That's pretty big. And remember what uh, Adam said earlier is there's no taxpayer money involved in the work that we do on behalf of the American public and on behalf of our veterans and our military spouses. And that's a really important part to really conceptualize here is when we say no taxpayer resource uh, funding, these meetings, these quarterly meetings we talk about happen over lunch. And so these employees from across the government are tuning in to this virtual meeting because they're interested, because they want to get that information, because they want to learn about what other groups are doing, but also sometimes they want to share what they're doing. And so having that kind of community of practice together is something that is really, really beneficial. And and I think it speaks to the level of interest because they're doing it in their personal time over lunch. Yeah, definitely. And again, the, the passion that the council members bring to the table the passion that our staff brings to the table, you couldn't put a price on it. Uh, I like to say that the council is this dream team that you couldn't pay them to do the work they do. It is a work of, without getting all touchy-feely here, it's a, it's a work of love. It really is. And, uh, again, who benefits, Right. Our, our employees benefit, the agency benefits, and, of course, the American people benefit from, from the things that we do on behalf of, of, uh, of all our veterans. ERGs are important. If you don't have one in your organization, I would recommend you uh, put one together. ERG representative can help you uh, better support and integrate your diverse workforce into your agency's culture and create a more productive and a more satisfied team. And isn't that what we all want at the end of the day? This wraps up our segment. Uh, We're going to go on break. And when we come back, we're going to talk a little bit more about what the council does and how we do it. Uh, The mission continues shortly on Federal News Network. Hi, I'm Mike Richmond of the U.S. Department of Veterans Affairs. 
veterans. Do you want to improve your ability to get noticed by recruiters, build your network, find and apply for jobs, and gain career support? The business social media site LinkedIn is offering veterans, their spouses, and active duty military a year free access to LinkedIn Premium, a more than $300 value. With Premium, you also get a year of unlimited access to more than 15,000 courses through the LinkedIn Learning Platform. Build your professional brand and gain the skills needed to be successful in all stages of your career. Go to socialimpact.linkedin.com. Family caregivers and Fry Scholars are also eligible for a free one-year premium subscription. I'm Mike Richmond. The continuing crisis on Maui is falling a very familiar script of accusations, lawsuits, investigations, and calls for reforms. I'm Edward Siegel, author of Crisis Ahead, with another Crisis Management Minute. The aftermath of the wildfires on Maui is following a script that many government and corporate executives have faced when trying to recover from a crisis. The predictable nature of the pattern, however, doesn't make the images and news from Hawaii any less instructive. Executives should not be surprised when faced with backlash and criticism for the way their organizations manage the crisis. They should pay close attention to the criticism and do what they can as soon as they can to address the issues and practice responding to these worst-case scenarios when conducting crisis response exercises. Welcome back to The Mission Continues on the Federal News Network. I'm Adam Anisich, Vice Chair of the Interagency Veterans Advisory Council. And since this is our first show, we're going to take about five or ten minutes and give you an overview uh, in a little bit more detail about what the Interagency Veterans Advisory Council actually does and how it's going to cross over into the lives of veterans and military spouses in the federal civilian service. So the the council was stood up back uh, after the Obama-era executive orders on veterans' employment and disability uh, hiring and disability employment, which specifically included disabled veteran employment. And so when the council came together for the first time, it had something like 47 departments and agencies. And so you'll see that even reflected in our logo today, the 47 original departments and agencies that were part of interagency veterans. And as we've matured over the years, we've really maintained a, a focus on veterans and reservists and National Guard personnel. And recently, a couple years ago, we were fortunate to have the White House ask us to add in the military spouse component and the military family community, which we really thought was a perfect fit and, and kind of coordinated quite well. Because Lloyd, as you mentioned, what's good for veterans is often good for the entire community. And so the council is really a representative group of the smaller groups at each department and agency, whether they have tens of thousands of employees, which some do, or they have a handful, maybe five employees like some, some of these micro agencies do. And together, this council gives them a voice at the national level. It gives them that voice to say, hey, this could be improved this isn't working, or this is going well, this is going great, 
or, um, you know, hey, I had an idea to try something new. Have we thought about this? And so our area of focus is very simply um, to serve those who served, and that's our membership is made up of the veterans, the military spouses and their families, and the reservists and National Guard personnel. And as Lloyd mentioned, that comes in many forms. Some are employer resource groups. Some are loosely connected regional uh, groups that maybe team up from a number of federal agencies and they have get-togethers over a certain service-oriented mission, such as beautifying uh, a downtown area. And the federal executive boards that OPM runs uh, can be – uh, spearheading those efforts. So this comes in many forms and shapes, and we welcome all of those groups into the council. And so the council really does two-way communications. So primarily, we send information down and share information about things that are going on of relevance and importance to the community, whether it be, again, veterans, military spouses, reservists, National Guard personnel. Um, But we also have a a much more formal and administrative role that filters information up, and that's providing advice uh, and decision support to the White House and the agencies on veterans' issues. Um, We really view that as a bidirectional vehicle because we're taking what the employee resource groups uh, are telling us at uh, the ground level, as Lloyd mentioned, and really trying to translate that into useful um, and actionable intelligence for the, the most senior leaders in government. We do a lot of cross-level coordination as well. We're really big advocates for the war, the Operation Warfighter and Skill Bridge programs from the DOD, which essentially seek to place uh, service members into federal civilian roles as they transition. We do a lot of coordinating of support and sharing information about military service buyback, disabled veteran leave, um, it could be things like a, a leadership speaker series or a mental health uh, webinar series. We do training for HR professionals. Um, we provide speakers for events. There's really an entire um, you know apparatus that supports a number of different needs that government agencies and leaders have across um, the country. Uh, another thing really that we're really proud of is – providing recommendations to the president in the annual report. And that's something that we publish each year on Veterans Day. And it essentially, as Lloyd mentioned, uh, amalgamates a lot of the work that the uh, employee resource groups, the HR departments, and the agencies themselves are doing to support federal employee veterans in the civilian workforce. So it's really exciting because it gives so much information. Uh, It also covers some of the best practices and how-tos of developing and sustaining an employee resource group. So some of the ways we help are are really uh, creating communities and mentorship and aggregating the issues to leadership like we talked about. But we also amplify the messages back down to the staff and to the community. We're often called upon to perform ceremonial roles or support for various national-level events. Um, for example, laying to, uh, a wreath at the Tomb of the Unknown Soldiers is something that we do. And we invite the members from the councils and the employee resource groups from across the country to join us if they're available. But you know, ultimately, we're acting as a conduit between veterans and the federal government leaders. Um, I like to say that we are a voice for the voiceless. If you're a forest ranger in Colorado – and you don't think that your voice and your concern as a veteran in federal service matters, I'm here to tell you that you're wrong, and I want you to come talk to us because we are here to help. 
looking kind of at what the impact is, we like to say that the more engaged a federal workforce is, the better and more productive they're going to be. The better the veteran recruitment, the more avenues there are to develop a pipeline of competent, capable, and mission-ready professional staff into your organization. Higher veteran satisfaction leads to high-producing veteran employees, and often they're incredibly, if not the most productive individuals I've ever seen. Um, It also works to lower the turnover of veterans, lower those attrition rates because happy employees stay longer. So when we think about how we can best serve our members, we think about what's good for the veterans and the military spouses and and the reservists and National Guard personnel in the federal workforce. We think about how the agencies can benefit from a robust and and really engaged veteran workforce. We think about the needs of the agencies and the missions that they've been tasked with. And then we think about what the American citizens would need uh, in their everyday lives. How can we as individuals who want to continue service or second service really impact the lives of the average American out in the public? And how can we contribute to a larger unity of effort across the U.S. government. So when we're looking across the federal ecosystem, one of the things that I'm often asked by our membership and our leaders uh, in the organization are, you know, how, how do they really make a difference? How do they really take, build something from nothing and create a, an, an apparatus that provides value to the community or to the stakeholders? And I think there's a number of ways to do that. So for us, some of the ways that we've looked into really further building out our our capabilities is we were invited by OPM to join the VPO Council, which is the Veterans Employment Program Office Council. We're really proud of that. We we really appreciate OPM um, in that sense because OPM has allowed us to be the only non-agency group on this council. So that's really exciting. This is the council that ultimately – determines and and kind of uh, operationalizes the policies related to veterans and military spouses in the federal government. So that's a super exciting um, group to be a part of. And we've also entered into a number of uh, MOUs with the Department of Defense and uh, very specifically the Army Reserve where we're trying to either support in in the case of uh, the Department of Defense, we really want to create a pipeline for military spouses and get involved in those conversations and be a supporter, be an ally for the groups that, um, you know, historically have really struggled with unemployment, with military spouse uh, unemployment hovering at like 20 percent and higher. That's that's a real concern. So we uh, joined, we actually sought out and joined the Military Spouse Employment Partnership at the Department of Defense, and we signed as uh, signed on as members because we really wanted to continue that emphasis on uh, military spouse hiring, recruitment, and retention. And the other piece that we're looking at is the service member transition. So we got involved with the uh, Army Reserve's public-private partnership, or P3, and we uh, basically sought them out. And we're one of only two or three federal agencies, um, or in our case, federal council, that's, uh, that's part of this uh, MOU with the Army Reserve. So we're really thinking about ways 
in, in codifying those ways where we can bring high-quality ta- high talent of transitioning service members or military spouses and import them into the federal civilian service so they can continue their desire to continue to serve America, but also the agencies and departments can, can retain these really incredible individuals who, uh, who contribute so much to the programs and operations of federal agencies everywhere. Thanks, Adam. I'm really proud of the work that we do here with interagency veterans. Uh, you listen to The Mission Continues on Federal News Network. When we come back, we'll wrap up our, our show with some additional information that we hope you find of, of value uh, as you go about your day here serving the American public. Hi, I'm Mike Richmond of the U.S. Department of Veterans Affairs. Prostate cancer is most common in men 65 and older and is a major medical issue in the veteran population, which is 90% male. Many veterans fall in the age range when prostate cancer peaks, but prostate cancer can be treated effectively if caught early. It's usually found in its early stages and often grows slowly. Men should get screened for prostate cancer with the PSA blood test. This test can detect prostate cancer before it becomes symptomatic with issues like blood in the urine, trouble urinating, and pain. Such symptoms may mean one has aggressive prostate cancer, which is often not curable. Learn more at research.va.gov slash topics slash cancer. I'm Mike Richmond. Wake up and text. Text and eat. Mm-mm. Text and catch the bus. Text and miss your stop. Wait, 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 wait. Text and be late to work. Sorry, I'm late. Text and work. Text and pretend to work. Text and act surprised when someone calls you out for not working. <clears throat> Who, me? Text and meet up with a friend you haven't seen in forever. Hi. Oh, hey. Text and complain that they're on their phone the whole time. Text and listen to them complain that you're on your phone the whole time. Text and whatever. But when you get behind the wheel, give your phone to a passenger. Put it in the glove box. Just don't text and drive. Visit StopTextsStopRex.org. A public service announcement brought to you by the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration and the Ad Council. When we need help, we turn to government. When government needs help, they turn to Federal News Network. For news on the federal pay raise. To learn how other agencies handle IT modernization. To see how Congress funds my agency. For changes to my TRICARE benefits. Federal News Network. Helping feds meet their mission. Hi, welcome back. This is Lloyd Calderon on The Mission Continues on Federal News Network. We have talked a lot and discussed a lot and shared a lot with you. So what's next? Uh, well, first of all, we really are excited about the future here. Um, we hope you've enjoyed uh, this segment. Uh, and if you have, please let uh, Federal News Network know online at uh, federalnewsnetwork.com and let them know. This isn't my show. This isn't Adam's show. This is your show. And your input is so important. Uh, So please let us know how we did 
and what you'd like to see in the coming shows. We have a lot planned, but like any anything else, you know, your input's going to be the the input that that is of value. Adam touched on a lot of things in the last segment, and I just want to reiterate um, uh, one or two things real quick. Our military spouse initiative, uh, it's important. And if, if you are a hiring manager or a supervisor and you're looking to fill a position, uh, I would encourage you to look at our military spouse community. I would encourage you to use those hiring authorities that are out there. If you don't understand those hiring authorities, then find out. Talk to your Office of Human Resources. Uh, pick up the phone and call OPM. Uh, push comes to shove, you reach out to us through uh, Federal News Network online and let us know, and we will be happy to, to point you in the right direction and help you. At the end of the day, this is about serving the American public. Doing this show is serving the American public, and we appreciate the opportunity to do that. Hiring veterans is a national security effort. What better way to secure our nation's resources, infrastructure, personnel, than through hiring veterans who are mission-focused, who are dedicated, and who uh, know what it means to work hard and to sacrifice. Not that other folks don't, but when you sign on the dotted line to defend this nation at the cost of your life, and what kind of dedication is that? And I would just encourage you to think about those things. So over the course of the next year, we're going to bring you a bunch of topics, and we're going to bring some speakers to the table that we know you will appreciate hearing from, uh, senior leaders. Uh, we're going to hear from them. We're going to hear from uh, folks who um, have been in the trenches, if you will, and have valuable information to share with you, whether it's career planning, hiring authorities, as I mentioned before, veterans' benefits, even entrepreneurship. Those are all topics that, that lend themselves to our great workforce, uh, whether you're a veteran or not. So let us know how we can be of service to you as we continue our mission here at Federal News Network. Adam, any closing uh, thoughts or remarks that you want to make? Well, I've got so many. I mean, I really just want to thank everybody who's tuned in to listen to the show. I really want to thank a couple um, of groups and organizations, right? I mean, Joining Forces, the White House initiative that is really focused on the military families and military communities, does such a wonderful job of providing support and leadership and in, in really trying to pioneer the issues that are important to military spouses. So a, a special thanks goes out to Joining Forces because they've really been so instrumental in standing up the Military Spouse Initiative, and really providing providing that leadership and guidance. Um, so that's really exciting. I also want to thank OPM, Director Ahuja in particular, but also the Veterans Office at OPM, because what what we're doing here is is really a team effort. And, you know, we have this kind of weird dual reporting structure to both groups, but regardless, the people come together every day to make the mission happen. And we couldn't do that without their leadership and support. So uh, really just a special thanks to Joining Forces and a special thanks to OPM. Um, as we're looking forward and, you know, you may be listening and thinking, what's next? What's next out there? How do I get involved? Or maybe you're looking to get into the federal workforce. You know, how do you do that? Well, a great place to start is fedshiervets.gov. That's a wonderful resource um, you can find information about interagency veterans on fedshiervets.gov. You can also find a, a litany of material 
on how to become a federal employee, how to find that perfect job for you. And it talks about the transition. It talks about what's available um, for career opportunities. And most importantly, it also gives contact info for a number of the, the veterans employment program managers at the departments and agencies. So as a veteran, as a military spouse, you have a direct line into finding that job at a federal agency where whether uh, it's a, uh, a postal inspection worker in Washington or it's a forest supervisor in Florida or it's an agricultural inspection specialist in Maine. Coast to coast, around the world, federal employees are really doing the mission to continue serving others. Here at Interagency Veterans, we're very excited about what the future holds. The, these past couple years have been such a whirlwind. Um, we've really uh, developed and matured our processes to better help you all. And we invite you to come along on this journey with us. We invite you to think about how you can improve your own veterans groups uh, at the agency level or even at the smaller uh, organizational level. How can you create value for your colleagues, for your peers, and ultimately for the American public? So again, just really happy that you've joined us here. Lloyd uh, has been really just a phenomenal all-star, and uh, Eric here is our producer, and uh, he's been phenomenal as well. We're just really thankful for the opportunity to Federal News Network and really opportunity. Uh, I really appreciate the opportunities uh, that the White House and OPM have given the council as well. So with that, we will continue in service to you. Lloyd, back to you. Thank you, Adam. Those are great remarks and uh, very uh, worthy of, of announcing all the, the assistance that we've received throughout the federal workplace from our senior leaders. If you're a federal employee already, of course, you know, we, we, we hope that you um, use the resources that we make available to you on this, on this broadcast to uh, enhance your career. And tune in next time as we talk about other topics that we find that we think are of value that you will benefit from. That's a great point, Lloyd. I'm really excited about some of the guests we have coming up. I, I know this is something that you know we're going to be alluding to in the future, but we've got folks who are going to talk about everything from growing and developing your federal career to getting promoted and to really finding that right job. So we're going to have all kinds of speakers, both uh, career journeyman level all the way up to agency heads and senior leaders who are going to really talk and share their story about how they did it, how you can too, and how uh, that that continuing to serve has really enriched their life and their um, their their perspective on being a federal employee. So many people think that after the military, it's like, well, that was my service and now I just have a civilian job. No, no, no. That's not the case. As a federal employee, especially as a veteran or military spouse, you can continue that trend of service and really come in and deliver something that the American people need and try our best to help out in any way we can. Well said, Adam. Thank you for joining us on The Mission Continues on Federal News Network. You've been listening to The Mission Continues on Federal News Radio, part of the Federal News Network. You can listen to this episode and any past episodes anytime at federalnewsnetwork.com or subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Search The Mission Continues.